Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Call our guest line at any time during the live show at area code 646-727-3235 and let's talk about wine. Again, the phone number to call is 646-727-3235. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Another program. Yep. Yep. Uh, that was it. Good Mike, crowd. Mike is. Mike is under. Well, Mike's not under yeah. the weather. I said that when you when you're no. sick, but you're. You. No, I'm fine. Now. Mike's fine. Last, Mike is just. Last week is, was uh was last week or before uh, the week before, before I was yeah. I was I was out because weather. of sick. I get over that, and then something else happens. I'm like, come on, it's, I'm, yeah, you know what it is? I'm falling apart. I think it's I think it's age, and you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's something my, we can't do. My warranty is expiring, and now things are going out. <laughs> and, I know. Uh, just not That's just not thing. good. But I should have got my, the extended my, warranty. Might leave us early if he if something happens, but otherwise he'll be with us yeah. in the show. So yeah, but yeah, it's a. Air hour, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, let's see what what's happening. It was a good week. Um, didn't even ask you if you were drinking anything, but uh, we'll just actually you know. no. I I don't have something open right now. I wow. I probably should. I'll have my engineer bring me glasses. Something. <laughs> you have something open back there? No. Yeah. <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna bring me some wine. So at least I will have some wine. Um, well, that's nice. No, I said. You know, I was gonna, I was gonna start keeping up. I, in fact, I can do that now. I was gonna start posting a different wine on the Facebook page every week and review it. And uh, I haven't been keeping up with that, and I need to do that. I don't have to work now since I am in now. My, I've had two full months of retirement. Wow. And uh, yeah, yeah, two months of retirement. Still don't like it, but hey. Uh, that's the way it is. We uh, something I, I have to tell you all about this. And uh, thank you. Uh, now, if I can find my cursor, where's my cursor? Oh, there it is. Um, I have to tell you about this. This is something Mike passed on to me, and uh, I've got to share it with anyone out there. I don't know how you're picking us up on the program. Most of you are listening to it on archives. I understand that. But we have a new platform now. Uh, new, the content is now syndicated and available on Spreaker. S P R E A K E R Spreaker. Block up radio and Spreaker went to a merger back in September, and this is uh, 
now some of the results of that merger. So Spreaker, um, this is, uh, go to com, and uh, the podcast is available on iOS or Android and also Amazon's Alexa. So if you want to listen to it at home, you have Alexa. Uh, Spreaker, just go to uh, HTTPS, uh, the whole beginning there, www.spreaker.com. And then uh, type in all about wine, slash all about wine, and it'll pop up. And it works the same way as uh, any of the other apps and all that. So Spreaker. Also, Alexa. Uh, If you have Alexa or uh, Amazon Echo, Amazon Echo Dot, uh, any of those, those are uh, are all Alexa. Those are similar to the Siri but you speak to it first, you have to uh, add the the skill of the program to it, though. So uh, do that first. And then when you do, you just say, Alexa, open speaker, and then search for and play uh, a show. So you say, uh, speaker, uh, say, play all about wine, and it will bring it up on you, and you can listen to it on that format. You can also pause it on that. You can resume it, skip, uh, all sorts of different things, uh, going uh, through the uh, Amazon Echo and Amazon Echo Dot. So that's a couple of new things. If you want to listen to us, other than what you may be listening to us now, those are two more new, uh, well, not new, but two more available ways you can tune in and listen to All About Wine. So, sort of excited about that. Mike sent that to me. I read that and I thought, wow, what a a couple of cool more ways to listen to it. So, uh, there you go. It's funny because I I was, I remember uh, was it a couple of months ago I was uh, testing Spreaker out and... uh, Were you? Yeah, yeah, we were were looking at it. You said something to me about it. Yeah, Yeah, a long time ago and... uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, this is an idea. And then I, I wrote something about some issue I was having or, or whatever. And, and that's when they, they said there was a merger going on. And I thought, well, this is, uh, what's this going to do now? You know? <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty good. It's, it's, a, it's a good I, I remember. So. Yeah. I remember we, we were talking about, cause we were having some issues with, uh, yep. Blog talk ready. We, the, we had radio. like two weeks in a row. We were having major issues there. Yeah. <laughs> And um, so, what was the other thing? Uh, oh, and did you see on our stats we're over two hundred thousand now? No, I didn't. I forgot see that. to mention. No. Yeah, uh, over two hundred thousand uh, listeners. That's over the over the years we've had it, and people tune in. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. That's all. Thank all of you. Thank you very much. Two hundred thousand. That's that's impressive. That impresses me. I didn't, yeah. Wow. <laughs> No. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Yeah. And now they even got two more ways to do it. So we'll hit that <laughs> 300,000 a month. Hmm. Well, maybe not. But, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> so, oh, okay. yeah. so uh, we got... Uh, well, let's go through the what we're doing this week. 
uh, are what you can eat and enjoy wine with this week. This is, uh, uh, let's see, today's the third, which is National Chocolate Custard Day and National Raspberry Popover Day. Both of those are today. Uh, also, uh, for the whole month of May is National Barbecue Month, National Mediterranean Diet Month, National Hamburger Month. Oh, <laughs> I spent the weekend with my grandchildren and their parents, which is my son and daughter-in-law. But I spent the weekend with my grandchildren. I have an eight-year-old granddaughter. We had taco night on a Friday night. And uh, her mother said, Holly is her name. Mother said, Holly, what would you like on your taco? She goes, well, I like a lot of that brown stuff on the bottom. And I said, that's hamburger, Holly. She goes, oh, no wonder I like it. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't know it was hamburger on the bottom of your taco. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was rather young of her. <laughs> but a National Hamburger Month, National Salsa Month, National Strawberry Month, National Egg Month, National Salad Month, and National Beef Month. Considering that works well with the barbecue and hamburger month, so we got National Beef Month. So these are all all in May, which is great chances to do some barbecue and have yourself some wines and hamburger and all that. Tomorrow, the paper I have here says the 144th Kentucky Derby. Is that on Friday or is that on Saturday? I thought it was a Saturday race. Uh, I thought it was over the weekend, too. Uh, yeah, but the paper is Saturday. It takes place uh, Saturday at Churchill Downs, Kentucky. Oh, that was, Yeah, that was nine hours ago. Um, that would be the fifth, not the fourth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it shows a Saturday. Hmm. Okay. Logo. Yeah. Oh, you know what? It says um, May. There's something here. It says May fourth and fifth. Maybe there's a Saturday. Okay. I don't know. This is conflicting I don't know. now. Oh well. It says on this okay. paper the 144th Kentucky Derby is run today, and that's on the fourth on Friday, and that seems very odd because it was always those. Triple Crown is always on Saturdays, all three races. So. Mm. I don't know what, what that is. But Star Wars Day is, to, is tomorrow. That's mm. May the 4th be with you. Yep. Uh, so that is tomorrow. And no, tomorrow. Today's the 3rd. May the 4th be with you tomorrow. My engineer was confused, too. National Hoagie Day is tomorrow. I suppose you can order a hoagie, but not a Subway or a grinder or a, what is there? Hero. Hero. Yeah, that's the other one I was trying to think of. Hero. The 5th, Saturday, National Enchilada Day. And it's also Cinco de Mayo. It is Cinco de Mayo, if you're not familiar is a celebration that is pronounced in Spanish, but more Americans celebrate it than the Mexicans do. So That's just a good way for us to eat a bunch of salsa and 
tortilla chips. And considering this is National Salsa Month, it works well there, too. Yay. Sunday, National Crepe Suzette Day, and National Beverage Day. Now, I suppose that could be any beverage, including wine. So pop open a bottle of wine Sunday and celebrate National Beverage Day. Monday, Roast Leg of Lamb Day. That's good. I like a leg of lamb. I haven't had a leg of lamb in a long time, but last one I had, I was disappointed. I really should have another one. Tuesday, the 8th, National Coconut Cream Pie Day. Oh, that sounds good. I like coconut cream pie. And the next Wednesday, this is something we can all enjoy, National Moscato Day. So pop open your bottle of Moscato and you'll be right there. No food to drink with it or anything. Just have yourself Moscato. And you can celebrate any of your other things that month. National Salad Month and Moscato or whatever. Or even strawberries. Strawberries and Moscato will work too. So that's what we got coming up this next week here. A couple good ones there. Cinco de Mayo, uh, Kentucky Derby. Got all those. So enjoy your wine responsibly with all the different ones, and uh, there's something to pop open a bottle and raise a glass for every one of the days. Now, we've got a few things to talk to you about here that, as always, and uh, I don't know if we're going to use up the hour, but I always say that and I always end up talking there. How are you doing? You hanging in there, Mike? Yeah, so far. It's uh you know, just finding that right spot. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know, I know. Uh, spitting. When you spit, go to the winery, get yourself a glass of wine in your mouth and you spit. Don't. It's disgusting. I don't I don't like to see people spit. I've told people please don't spit. Um I had one guy come in, he says, he says, do you mind if I spit? And I go, why? And he says, well, he says, I'm, I'm allergic to wine and I can't have it, but I love the taste of it. So I swirl around my mouth and I spit it out, which seemed really odd to me because he did have some that he swallowed, but I don't know what the allergy reaction is and I don't know what it's to, but he said he was allergic to wines. When, what was that? My insurance rate company. No, nothing. Okay. Uh, this is something spitting. It's really disgusting. I tell people, you know, don't spit. It's disgusting. If you are judging a wine contest, if you are judge of a bunch of wines that you're sipping over and over and over again, spit. And most of the judges that do that have their little individual cups that they wear around their neck, and they're actually spitting into that, and they're dumping that. But most of them don't spray across the room, except they got something new in Australia. It's a health hazard. It's unacceptable in public, in the streets, at parties, and especially not in another person, anytime, anywhere. But... It's seen a lot of places. You see boxers spitting. Swimmers will spit to get the water out of their mouth. You've had some tennis greats. Goran Ivancevic used to spit all the time. In Australia, uh, a captain, cricket team captain, Steve Smith, 
was caught spinning lots of times on on camera. The uh, baseball pitchers, uh, they spit continuously. You know, they're always that. Or, or any of the positions. Baseball players seem to think that uh, spitting is part of the game, and they're always spitting. Football's A-League in Australia uh, banned a Brisbane defender by the name of Aram Papadopoulos for seven games for spitting on a player from the Sydney Strikers, a Matt Simon. And uh, they banned him for seven games for doing that. But they didn't he didn't get fined or anything because they couldn't show that it any evidence to prove intent. They thought he was just spitting. Wine business. Spitting is used, like I say, to clean up the palate. But a lot of people spit. Uh it's actually being encouraged now in some wineries because they're starting to make it a competition. Yes, there's competitions for everything. And this is something new in Australia. Um, for the longest, best, most accurate, all these categories, uh, two young Adelaide filmmakers have now made a short film about the art of sport spitting in the wine world. A Michael Williamson and a Rise Howlett have released The Spit on their website. And if you're interested, go to www.thespitfilm.com. And uh, they have experts about the competitive nature of spitting. Uh, tells all about it. Your whole life you've been taught not to spit. Says the Kangaroo Island and Adelaide Hills-based the Stoke Wines short film. But... And the wine business is an occasional necessity. If you're doing a tasting, there are 150 barrels. Spitting is important. Uh, so they have a competition now. The wine shows, it's uh, something that they haven't really started up yet, but they made uh, this a new event on a lot of different wineries. Spitting can be pretty important even for amateurs visiting tasting events. And so they wanted to get people to understand what it was all about. How to spit like a pro. And I don't, I guess they got pro spitters now. Uh, you, you, I'm, what do you do? I'm a professional spitter. I, okay. But here you go. Here's, here's four steps to tell you how to spit like a pro. Number one, attempt a not dry run in the shower or sink. Put only a small amount of water in your mouth so you're not gagging. Number two, now try your tongue, get your tongue involved to guide the stream. Then get a feel for your cheek muscles, which will also help eject the liquid. Use a bit of this controlled muscle force and not a blowing action and focus on directing the liquid in a clean, medium, fast spurt. Get a big bucket to start with and put on an old shirt or blouse before you begin real wine practicing. Do not use that bottle of grain you found in your dad's cellar. Try to hit the bucket. Maybe go outside to the garden. Try again, and at this stage, it's not a long-distance championship, so bring the bucket or spit tune close. 
you will make a mess. So that's how you do it. Practice, practice, practice. And eventually you might be able to come in as, you know, make this a, a professional spitter, make a trip down to Australia and join the circuit or something like that. But professional probably look good on a resume too, wouldn't it? It'd, it'd probably yeah, be a good right. thing to have on your resume. You know, what'd you do for the last three years? I was a, a spitter. I was a professional <laughs> spitter. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, did you say quitter? No, not a quitter. Spit. Really good living. <laughs> yeah. What a great thing to say you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, professional spitting. Oh, boy. All right, here we go. Um <laughs> Foreign fly threatens New Jersey vineyards. Is a, a, if we don't have enough to worry about already, there's another new little bug out there. A new little bug that's threatening us. This is uh, all right. Since my screen quits playing games here, this is the uh, New Jersey's new newest nemesis. All right, quit playing around. Just. And get that out of there. And get that out of there. Oh, boy. It threw up this Windows support thing again. I am going to have to exit out and come back to you because that's the only way I'm going to get out of this. Yeah, really. I'm going to have to close. I'm going to have to shut down my computer. Not let me escape the screen. Wow. Yeah, it is. This is the, the show, and uh, is that the, the? I guess that's only the the whole computer has to shut down. It's oh yeah, Ooh. it says that I have miss malicious pornographic spyware. Oh great! And, yeah, it won't let me out of this screen. So I will. Interesting. I will close out. I'll let Mike talk to you for a little bit, and I will be right back as soon as I close this out. It's come back. Okay, we'll so, see you in a minute. Be back. Okay. We'll see. You. We'll see if the show stays on. That's interesting. I wonder if the show stays on. Huh. Uh-huh. Not sure. Are we still connected? Are we still? Uh... Nope, now he's disconnected. Okay.
Think he's back now. I'm back. You are back. I am back. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Give you some That's... editing to do on this show. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't tell if we were still on or what. It said on air, but I don't know if if you kick out if it throws us off. There was a pop up. It said you want to continue or end, and I said no, we'll continue. But I couldn't tell if we were on or not. So, um, and the stream we, went down. I can see on here now that it was still it still showed on air because it showed the time we have left. Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe you were. We'll, we'll <laughs> okay. I don't. Know. Oh well. Yeah, we'll uh, take out that long silence. <clears throat> so you are back. Woo-hoo. So I am back. So let's let's. Let me get back in there. I'm not going to go back to the same page I was on because obviously that gave me a fit on that. But suffice it to say, there's a foreign fly that threatens New Jersey vineyards now. It has been imported from the Middle East. It uh, looks something like a wasp, uh, very colorful. Uh, The fly lays its eggs and it gets into grapevines and other plants. Uh, so it's something that they're trying to contain in New Jersey. Hopefully it's not going to spread any further than that. So that was the gist of the, of the uh, what I was going to tell you about the fly. So moving on. Okay, let's hope that this doesn't act up again because if it does, I don't know where that came from. That thing... It's just the malware is all it was, and it popped up and just decided to jump on the computer in the middle of the program. Wine tastings are something we all do. We all all enjoy it. Uh, uh, Victor Smart is uh, top cork producer for Amarin. And he wanted to lead a group of sommeliers and journalists to show them what they should look for when they taste taint in wine. Uh, Wines that were corked uh, had TCA, TBA, Brett, reduction, and oxidation. So, he did. And uh, this is just a simple thing. Last summer... He invited all these people into Portugal to go through this and show them what the different types of things you look for when you get these types of uh, aromas and flavors in your wine. This is a, well, this is the article, and uh, just so I won't miss anything by paraphrasing it, I'm going to read each section of what it is and and what they're talking about. And in that way, make notes of it, because this is pretty important stuff here, so you know what you're looking for in some of this. Uh, The control 
wine. It was a 2015 Calvet Bordeaux Red. Uh, the first sample was a victim of TCA, our trichloronosol, uh, 246 trichloronosol, or trichloronosol 246, different people. This is most frequently responsible for spoiling wine or making it corked. This is, uh, TCA is what makes cork. Um, harmless and naturally occurring, this uh, it's a carbon compound that can, that can be tasted and low traces by the human palate. Uh, this is, you know, as low as, you know, five, six parts per trillion, which is just amazing that we can taste it that low. One source of the contamination be, can be the cork. TCA is derived from a natural mold that thrives in the cork's tree bark. But most TCA tank comes from other sources pre-bottling and a cork can actually prevent airborne contamination, or so it claims. But, you know, who knows? One sip is enough to contort your face into a grimace. There is a musty, moldy taste reminiscent of dirty barrels. One's experience is characteristic uh, and hard to forget. One's experience is characteristic is hard to forget. Um, I've tasted corked wines before and they're right. It's hard to describe, I guess, dirty barrels, but how many people actually understand what dirty barrels smell and taste like? Next, a compound similar to TCA is TBA. Like TCA, the sensory perception threshold is extremely low on this also, again, in the parts per trillion. And it is recognizable by as a taste of mold and dust. So TCA, dirty barrels, TBA, mold and dust. And as we move forward, the most, uh, the faults that are not strictly classified as taints and in higher dosages of the contaminants are necessary to make them noticeable. Bretonmyces or Brett. There is a distinct taste of leather or sticky plaster, sticking plaster or something sometimes smoky or spicy. Brett is a particular problem for red wines growing in hotter climates. Uh, I had a problem with bread on a red wine eight years ago and lost a half a bass because of it. Uh, low concentration of the compound can give wines a complexity. But, you know, that's puzzling and counterintuitive. Uh, some people, you know, I've talked to winemakers, and they said that bread is, a little bit of bread can be good. I, I, I don't think so. Bread can be also caused by cleanliness. That's why you clean the heck out of your winery because it could pop up bread. Oxidized wines. Uh, wine has been oxidized, at least in reds, is the color that you can see. Uh, it changes from the purple to a, a brick red or a brownish color. I always tell people whenever they're tasting wine, particularly reds, tilt the glass sideways, look at the edge of it. You want a nice clean edge. You don't want the browns or the... the uh, 
dark deep red change of color right at the edge. One, pa- uh, one compound, acetaldehyde, acetaldehyde, however it's pronounced, can produce aromas of bruised apple or sherry. Yeah, come on, bruised apple. Huh? Others can create odors of boiled potatoes, curry, prune, or nail polish. This is an oxidized smell. On the palate, a dry, diluted, bitter characteristic dominates. Riesings and Sauvignon Blancs are most prone to oxidation. So be careful with those, Riesings and Sauvignon Blancs. You will start getting different aromas coming out on those. Next is the last one. This is reduction. Uh, wine spoiled by reduction. Something commonly caused by light stike or the exposure of wine to direct sunlight. Here the color does not change, but on the nose there is very fresh aromas dominated by peas, burnt match, or sulfur, if you will, rubber, onion, and cooked cabbage. On the palate, the taste is astringent with bitter metallic flavors. So there you go. Make a note of those. Those are things that you could find in wine that is not good. Amron Cork Company is working on eliminating any of those as much as they can. Um, cork tank, corked wines. The cork industry is trying to do their best to prevent that. It uh, They've come up with more stringent standards and spent lots of money over the last decade trying to understand corked wine so that they can bring them out with uh, with no possibilities of cork paint. Uh, they're saying that uh, they're getting sniffed by professionals to see if the corks have any taint in it and all that. So that's Ameren Cork Company is doing their best to try to do it. But those are the smells. Those are different things that you might notice in wines that are not good, not good for the wines. Okay, I'll click you out, so go out and eliminate. Let's go back to this here. And uh, okay, French American. Okay. This, I wonder why I got that thing on. I looked at that these sites before I, I save them for the show just to be sure there's no problem and I can get right into them. And yet that last one, that one gave me that problem there. I don't know why that was. Um, wine from French oak or American oak. What's the difference? Okay, there is a difference. No question about it. Uh, it's uh, Barrels come in all sizes and according to the regions which they're used, Bordeaux French barrels go by the name Baroque or Tanyul. Baroque is 225 liters, and Tanyul is 900 liters. And the 900 liters is usually for a long-term aging or vinification. Uh, in Burgundy, there's they are called a Pace P-I-E-C-E. 208 liters for Pinot Noir. 
while Chibli uses a foulet or foulet, F-E-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E, which is 132 liters. A piece of pace, P-I-E-C-E, is also the term used in France, or in Champagne, France. Champagne, but there it holds 500 liters instead of 208 for the Pinot Noir. Cognac uses two barrel sizes, a foot, F-U-T, which is 350 liters, and pipe, P-I-P-E, 600 liters. The Germans like their barrels on a larger size. In Moselle, a barrel is called a Fuder, F-U-D-E-R, that's 1,000 liters. And in Rhine, it's called a Stuck, S-T-U-C-K, Stuck, which is 1,200 liters. My gosh, these barrels are enormous. The smaller the barrel, the more oak influence it has because a proportionally larger surface wood comes in contact with the wine. So when you get these 1,200-liter barrels, you're not getting as much oak into it. You can store into it, but you're getting that slight influence. The source of wood is used is a big influence on the wine. French oak is the most revered because it has a finer grain and the trees grow most slowly over the decades, so it gives it a finer grain. Main forests from which French oak is sourced are the Allure, the Limousine, Nevers, Tenkoi, and Vasjes. I think that's how they're all pronounced. I don't know. American oak is a faster-growing tree, and the wood has a wider grain. Thus, it imparts more tannins into the wine more quickly. So French oak, being tighter grain, is slower on the tannins. American oak, faster, wider grain. The profile, uh, the flavor profiles of barrels vary widely. French oak is split, not sawn, or sawn, which means only 20-25% of the tree is used. It is a gentler effect on the tannins and enhances the fruit compounds. American oak, which can be sawn and a more commercial use of the tree is bolder due to its wider grain and wine seems to spend less time in the barrel for it has a similar effect to the French oak by using less time. Any wine that spends time in a barrel would take on the characteristics of the oak. Uh, after three to five vintages, however, the barrel has no effect. It's useless. And I read something, I think, last week or the week before last about barrels that are being used for 10, 12 years. I, I uh, question how it can really do anything. But barrels are expensive. Winemakers do their best to maximize it. American oak barrel costs about $800 and up, while the French oak starts at about $1,200. That's also depending on the trees and uh what type of wood and where the it's made, the cooperage and all that. So this all makes a difference in the cost of uh, barrels. Uh, to make a barrel, oak trees are felled, split by hand into staves along the grain of the wood, stacked and dried naturally for 12 to 36 months. The longer the wood is dried or seasoned, the gentler the tannins. American oak is dried in a kiln which speeds up the process of seasoning, but tends to create a harsher tannin. Assembling a barrel requires the skill of a cooper. The 
stays are heated over a fire and the rings are put around it and it gives you the toast on uh, uh, on most barrels the cooper will give it a toast so that it matches whatever they are looking for there are many grades of toast not just one to be lightly toasted medium heavily toasted uh, if you want to refurbish the barrel they're taken apart sand it down and recharge and the leaky staves are replaced it's hard dusty noisy work so the difference between a french oak and American oak is simply in the fact of how much it imparts the oak into it and the different flavors that it will impart uh, because of how fast the American oak will give the oak flavors to the wine. So there you go. There's the answer to the question. Would I rather have French oak or American oak? I don't know. It just depends on what you want. That's like, you know, should you use a sock with oak in it or should you use actual oak barrel? All these are matter choices of the winemaker. And the bottom line is, if the winemaker does a good job on it, it's not going to make a big difference anyway. So, uh, uh, so you know, it's uh, you, you can use French oak and get about the same type of oak flavors and tastes as you can from American just depends on how if you know how to judge the time it's in contact with the wine and also your bigger barrels or smaller barrels most of the ones we see here in the states are the standard oak barrels that are 59 gallon but different areas have much bigger ones own rooted grapes or grafted grapes. This is an interesting question. Does a wine taste better if it is on its own roots? Does it give it a better flavor? Does it give it a better taste? Or to be worried about phylloxera, should you put everything on grafted? Interesting question. This article addresses that. Phylloxera ravaged the old world, and the solution was to put new vines onto rootstock that was resistant to phylloxera. And so today, most of the world is on grafted vines. But there are pockets of wines, or vines planted on their own roots throughout the world. Some of them have even survived the original phylloxera epidemic uh, makes them hundreds, a couple hundred years old, actually. Others uh, in areas that have been planted have resisted phylloxera, and they are still growing on their own roots, but at any time they could be susceptible to phylloxera. It's, it's a risky thing to do. And so far they've proven very hardy to last all the years. A recent seminar was talking about the benefits of own rooted vines. This was led by the owner and winemaker of Bedrock Winery in California, 
uh, uh, Morgan Twain Peterson, and also joined by Dr. Ulrich or Uli Stein of the Stein Estates in Germany's Moselle region. Uh, both of them have grafted and ungrafted plants, and some of the ungrafted dates back to the late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, they both agree that grafted vines introduce an extra variable into the quality of the equation. It's the rootstock. Uh, now, uh, this is interesting. Certain common rootstocks, such as St. George, which is really, really the most popular one, take a lot of nitrogen and potassium from the so soil, causing a pH balance in the soil and in the wines. So selecting rootstock with a particular variety of soil type is crucial, they say. Twain Patterson noted that in grafted zimidol, grape, clu grape clusters are not uniform, producing large and small berries, which is not an issue with ungrafted zimidol vines, where they're all pretty uniform. And Stein says that he even gets uneven reasoning clusters in his uh, ungrafted, but prefers those. Most owned root vines are old, and this is something else. They go much deeper, and they don't take up as much fertilization or irrigation because they have seeped out the areas that they need to do. And they can handle extreme weather better, better and are more resistant to fungus and diseases. So it continues to produce balanced wines of character because of that. You can count on it being a certain way. They were asked, why take the risk of working with ungrafted vines if there's going to be problems? And they answered that the ungrafted vines have a more profound relationship with the soil. It, uh, if it's from its original rootstock, it tends to give uh, more sturdy grapes and a more sturdy plant. Uh, they both said that they expected that most vineyards will be crafted in the future uh, because phylloxera obviously starts building up their own ways to beat what's out there. So the question, do unroot, uh, unrooted vines, un, the uh, grafted vines, which is better? The original, the older vineyards, the unrooted, or the, the grafted? And uh, the old vines have their place, and the young vines have their place, and they both agree that they really don't see a whole lot of difference. So, there you go. The whole argument goes back and forth. Bottom line, you can't tell. It's both of them are there, both of them are, are good, and both of them have served their purpose in what they are meant to do, and that is to give us some nice grapes for the, for the wine. Oh. Uh, okay, and let's see. This is, uh, we were talking a while back about GMO grapevines. Mike found something and sent it to me about CRISPR, C-R-I-S-P-R, C -R 
CRISPR. And it is a, a uh, well, here's an article on CRISPR. In 1863, winemakers in Rhone Valley of France noticed that the leaves were falling off, new shoots were stunted, and the plants were dying. Within 10 years, the blind had spread throughout the country, and government rewarded 300,000 francs, the equivalent of $1 million today, to anyone who could cure it. The botanist Jules Emile Plantron identified the cause. He named the bug Phylloxera vastatrix, or the devastator. And they said that the best way they can do is rip up the vine and replace the infected rootstock. And it spread around, and we know the history of all that. A half a century later, or a century and a half later, we have learned that it's the genes that make the European-American grape species different in such an important way that it's not going to affect American rootstock. New technologies such as CRISPR, which means clustered, regularly interspaced, short, palindromic repeats, allow for the precise manipulation of genes or genome editing by means of enzymes that snip DNA strands and insert or remove genes with a degree of ease and accuracy that was unheard of a decade ago. Now, this is not GMO, genetically modified. This is genome editing, which in reality is probably is modifying it because you're cutting out. Uh, it's been applied in thousands of laboratory studies on a wide variety of species from yeast to rats to human cells. Um, genome editing. Uh, let's say we have a, a, a scrubby variety of a plant. Uh, the uh, Let's see, this is by Adam uh, Bogdanov. He's a doctor of pathology at Cornell University. Uh, who was one of the first to use genome editing. Uh, the first one is called Talon, or transcription activator-like effector nucleus. And he's applied it to rice. The example he describes uh, from his work involving rice could be applied to wine grapes. It's low yield, but you can throw any pathogen at it, and it's disease-resistant as all get out. And we have another variety with great yell, but it's extremely susceptible to disease. Traditionally, we would breed them together and get a cross with moderate yield and then select and back cross and do this eight or nine times until we've gotten rid of almost all the DNA from the scrubby variety except the resistance. But it explains that the idea with wine grapes is to breed, for example, Pinot Noir and maintain its character, but also provide resistance to a certain nematode uh, that outcome is difficult to achieve by breeding. It will take forever to get back to the Pinot Noir. With genome editing, however, the scientists can just open up the genome, go in with their tools, and drop the gene that gives the plant resistance into the right place. It's more precise. There's no chance of bringing in any unwanted DNA, and it's enormously faster. So that's how the genome works. Instead of setting her crossbreeding for years, letting it grow up, crossbreeding again, letting it grow up, 
They take the good traits of the plant, drop it in, pull out the bad traits, and there you go. CRISPR. It's, uh, CRISPR's been around for a while. Uh, actually, Mike sent me a link to CRISPR a couple years ago. I was reading about it and all that. Uh, genetic engineering technology can be used, and it has been, but CRISPR is more precise. Uh, the uh, CRISPR enables the plants to develop resistance to the virus. Uh, it is a lot faster, a lot easier, and he believes will be much more acceptable in the wine industry. So CRISPR, I don't know, would they have to label it? This wine has been modified by CRISPR, uh, as they do have to list GMOs and a lot of stuff. I don't know. Uh if it improves it, maybe that's a good thing. If it doesn't improve it, they wouldn't put it on the market anyway. So basically, all you're going to get is the good stuff. So uh, CRISPR being used on grapevines and to improve and make it resistant to everything, basically. And there you go. We made it to the whole hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, resistant. Get uh, the stuff here. Okay. Um, yeah, I was taking notes and still trying to get on the Twitter feed there to update that. So that was good. Um, otherwise, we are good to close out this week. Uh, we'll be back in uh, seven days. That's uh, May the tenth. Wow, I can't believe we're already already in May. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> amazing. Um, so we'll be back next week at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in and, um, you know, the support and everything. Also, uh, there's been I, – I made a couple of uh, little updates to the website, not much. But uh, if you want to be a guest uh, on the show, there's, uh, you know, the, the Be a Guest page uh, on there and I did a little bit up updating to that added some more stuff and um the fact that we have over 200,000 listens now uh, yeah, that was that was shocked. yeah uh, that was that was amazing that that's a good thing um but uh just a you know good way to get your your information out there and and talk about what your um what you have for the wine industry uh, the wine business that kind of thing so and uh since we do i guess sometimes get it off track and discuss breweries and beer and other, uh, uh, yeah, not yeah, just we, wine, you know, you can go over that too. So, some spirits, <laughs> yeah. Small stuff, but. yeah, yeah, so spirits and beer. So, you know, if you operate that as well, then, uh, you know, let us know and we'll, we'll see what we can do on a future show. It's real simple to get on the air here. So, um, just let us know. And, um, it is free. So, there you go. Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> free advertising. Yeah. And all you have to do and is feedback. take some time out of your day. Yeah. We're all for it. And with 200. 200- um, Thousand listeners that want to get out there to some people. They're going to hear you. Yeah, yeah, we'll hear some. Um, thanks again, and uh, thank you, Ron, as always. Uh, and glad you got your huh. your computer issue fixed. <laughs> so. Yeah, so. And thank yeah. you for hanging in there the whole show. And thank hope you're feeling yeah, better was, soon. Thank you. I was adjusting uh, quite a bit with the mute button on. I was like, no. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Cut through. Mike is, um, it's, it's back problems and, and nerves yeah. and stuff like that. So that's yeah. all of yeah. a sudden it's like, uh, 
So, like I said, I got to keep the receipts now so I can, you know, take take it back in and say uh, I need a new one. Give me a new nerve yeah. or whatever it is. That's right. Uh, this, <laughs> this is up. What do you give me on trading? Yep. You know? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> newer model. Yeah. I want a newer model. All right. <laughs> we'll see you all uh, next week, uh, 7 p.m. right here on uh, Blog Talk Radio, all about wine. Uh, thanks again, and have a great week, and uh, enjoy the wine. And don't spit yeah. it. Just drink it. Don't <laughs> spit. We'll see you all. <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> see you later. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. All About Wine.